Good morning. I want to greet each one in Christ's name this morning. As we think of the baptism this morning, two questions I want to start out with. Why do we baptize and why is it important? In the last week, I saw uh, that Justin Peters, someone that I follow, some of his videos, shared a video on baptism. And I was excited to see if what there might be some interesting material there, something to get my thoughts flowing for this message this morning. But I was kind of disappointed. I quit watching about halfway through, listening to it halfway through, because he was just going on and on about why we must immerse and trying to prove it with the Greek and all that. And I did last two years ago, I touched my message a little bit on why we don't believe that immersion is the only way. So I'm not going to go deep into that this morning. I, I think it's important to not get too hung up on the methods, but to recognize the significance and the meaning behind baptism. It is important. It is significant. But it's not because of the exact words you say when you're baptized or the exact method you're baptized with. And laying the foundation for the message this morning, where did baptism first begin? In the Old Testament period, we know that people would dip themselves in a ceremonial bath called a mikvah. It was to cleanse, purify themselves in preparation for an important religious ceremony. Certain sects and groups would even cleanse themselves if they were transcribing the holy scriptures would even cleanse themselves before and after writing the name of God. So in that sense, there are some similarities to what was similar to our baptism today, what the motions of it, the form of it. But there's also some differences. But in looking at where Baptism, the idea that God first began to show his people. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 16. As I thought of the, uh, the idea that you'd have to cleanse yourselves before and after writing the name of God... I think I would have volunteered to write the book of Esther, transcribe the book of Esther. It would have been much easier. And yes, we should never lighten the idea of writing about God and His Word. But I also don't necessarily believe that it was, it was, a, it was extra biblical, their practice of doing that. But let's look at where it was biblical for them to cleanse themselves and to um, be purified with water. I'm going to look at 
you want to take time later, you can. I'm not going to take time this morning. You can look at, I'm going to look at verse 4, and then I'm going to jump to verses 23 through 28. And this is speaking of Aaron, and this was in the wilderness when the children of Israel, um, after they had left uh, Mount Sinai, received the Ten Commandments. And this was preparation. Also, this followed the time when Aaron had Aaron and his sister had questioned God's commands and direction given through Moses and had rebelled. Verse 4, And he shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments, therefore he shall wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And so he would take off his everyday clothes, he would baptize, baptize himself, and then put on the holy garments. It was a symbolic thing of a purification before he put on his holy garments. And then we'll turn to verse 23. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he, which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make an atonement for himself. And for the people, and for the and the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar. And he that let the go the goat for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes, and shall bathe his flesh in water, and afterward come into the camp. And the bullock for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall one carry forth without the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins and their flesh and their dung. And he that burneth him shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water, and afterward he shall come into the camp. So this was where Aaron and the other priest would go through this process, through this ceremony, to cover the sins of the whole nation of Israel. I never dug into this before as deep, and I still have a lot to, to learn. So if I say something incorrect, you can talk to me afterwards. But my understanding in doing quite a bit of reading yesterday, that this was a one-time deal for those people there in the wilderness. Now this process would be repeated over the years as new people would, Gentiles would become Jews. This was a process set up as a first-time atonement for sin. And so as we think about that, this will make sense as we go forward and we look at John the Baptist. But we see here the cleansing, the symbolic nature of how the purity was needed there to do, go through this process to put off the sin 
from the people. God was a holy God, and he required that they show reverence towards him and a symbolic cleansing from that sin. Let's turn now to Matthew chapter 3. In the New Testament, with John the Baptist, is where we first begin to see what we think of today as Christian baptism. It was not done in the ceremonial way, ceremonial way that it was done there in Leviticus. But it had the same idea. So John, or Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. In those days John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leathern girdle about his loins. And his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went up, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan. And were baptized him of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children under Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So why did the people flock to the baptism of John. I believe they they understood that there was a need of renewal of something that, yes, had been done by their forefathers, a putting away of sin. Just as we've looked many times before at the idea of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Covenant, there was much said and done about the outward, what what you could see on the outside. The Jews, especially the priests, were called to wear certain clothes that were symbolic of things. They were not allowed to commit certain, they were not allowed to commit sins. But it was all outward sins, things that you could see. With the coming of the new covenant, we now, God began to draw people's attention to the heart to the inward man, to what was in the mind. And I believe that's why God called John the Baptist and the disciples of Jesus to now not just a one-time baptism calling out, showing the sin of the people, but now there needed to be a repentance 
in the heart, in the inward man. And so now there needed to be a personal baptism of each believer to symbolize that. So as we think about, as I said earlier, that it was a one-time deal that when you, if your forefathers were baptized through the, the, the priest, the, whole, the high priest, going through that baptism process, you can see why now that they would feel they had no need to be baptized personally. They were Jews. They were right with God. They were his chosen people. Why should they have need of repentance? Why should they have need of baptism? But yet John was teaching that each person needed to repent. And we even have that today. We have many individuals that it's what really comes between them and a personal relationship with God is their lack of seeing their need for repentance. Why do they need to repent? They're a good person. They're doing their best. But just like here with John, we all have need of repentance. As we think now, moving forward, let's read uh, verses uh, 13 through 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So as we've been thinking about the the reason for baptism, a recognition of repentance, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Was baptism more than just a symbol of repentance? I believe it is, and I believe it is more for these three candidates today, Walt, Logan, and Rebecca, that it's not just about repentance. But your baptism today is similar to Jesus' baptism here with John. Jesus didn't need to repent. The Bible says he was a perfect man. So what did it do? What did it symbolize? And I believe it symbolized his willingness to be obedient to his Father. Up to this point, he had lived obedient to his heavenly or to his earthly parents but now through his baptism Jesus was showing his willingness to lay it all down to be obedient to his heavenly father and I believe the same is true for each one of us that have been baptized a believer's baptism that it signifies that we're willing to lay down our lives and be obedient to our Heavenly Father. 
we may not look at baptism as serious as a serious thing as we should. I think it's something easy to be taken for granted. When Jesus was baptized, he knew because he was part of the Trinity, he knew what he faced. So by going through the baptism, he recognized that he would soon have to lay down his life. Many believers around the world face that same thing today. It's one thing to accept who God is, to believe in Him, to be on your knees in your closet asking forgiveness for sin. But when we make that public, when they make that public declaration through baptism that they are following God, for many believers, they know that in the following months, years, they may have to lay down their lives just as Christ did and die for their faith. And so I think here in America with the, the freedoms we'd have enjoyed, it's easy to take and not look at baptism as seriously as we should. Jesus would be tortured and crucified on a cross in less than five years following his baptism. And that's true for many believers around the world. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man in exchange for his soul? Whosoever there shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in glory of his Father with the holy angels. And I'm going to stop there. Baptism isn't just about joining a church about a rite of passage into being a Christian. It symbolizes that we are willing to take up the cross that Christ has for us individually. Each of us has a different cross. Each of us will have to face different struggles, different things in our life as we walk in obedience to Christ. But that's what it signifies when we are baptized. Carrying our cross doesn't mean what 
so many may think of, a physical cross. As a man called Simon carried Jesus' cross after Jesus was no longer able to carry it, that's not what it's talking about. Obviously, we can't go back and do that. I also don't believe it means that we build one in the shape, build a, something in the shape of a cross and carry it around. Instead, it means that we are willing to give up earthly ambitions. We're willing to give up our own will, our own desires for what God wants for us. Maybe it means taking a job that doesn't pay the best so that we can follow God's will for us. Maybe it means buying a house in a less desirable neighborhood to reach people for Christ. We don't, I don't know what it means for you. Turn with me in closing to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. As we go over to the pond this morning, baptism is not going to save you. And yet, as we looked at this morning in the instruction class, it is part of living obedient to God. Not being baptized would be disobedient, but through our baptism, we are being obedient to Christ's commands. And I believe that just as with Jesus, when, when he was baptized, his heavenly Father was pleased, I believe as each believer is baptized, the same is true for the last 2,000 years that God looks on and is pleased with his child. Yes, it's important that we accept him, become a Christian, but baptism is also very important in our obedience to him as we live our Christian life. So God bless each one of you as you are baptized this morning. Kevin, for that message. Appreciated that. And um, are we willing to take up the cross? Are we willing to be obedient and uh, follow him at, at all cost? So we, uh, yes, thank you for that. Say amen to the message. I will say, um, ask a question here before we get started, and I should have asked this earlier. Does anyone know, is there going to be a bus to go over for some of the older ones? Ken's going to take care of that. So if you would like to go over and um, to the baptism, but you can't walk that far, there will be a bus back here at the back uh, for you to, to go come on over, and they'll park up there. 
I just want to say it's been good to have Walt, Logan, and Rebecca in uh, instruction class, uh, get to know them a little bit better, and just share in that way, and their parents there had some good classes together, and appreciate what I see in their lives, and looking forward to uh, baptizing them, and have them become members here in our body here at Salem. So at this time, I'm going to ask them to stand up, and they're all going to share uh, their testimony with you, and I'll ask them some questions following that. When I was 10 years old, I asked Jesus into my heart, and my parents had prayer with me. My favorite Bible verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Please pray for me as I continue my Christian walk, that I would keep Christ number one in my life. I became a Christian when I was 10 years old, and my most inspiring verse was... John 3.16, for so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When I was nine years old, I asked Jesus into my heart. A verse I like is Psalms 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It has shown me if the Lord is my guide. I should be content and humble. Okay, thank you, each of you, for sharing. Um, I'll ask some questions here, and then after each question, I'll ask each of you for a response, and you can answer those. Do you believe in one true, eternal, and almighty God who is a creator and preserver of all things, visible and invisible? I do. I do. I do. Okay, and do you believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God, that he is the only Savior of mankind, and he died upon the cross, gave himself a ransom for our sins, so that through him we might have eternal life? I do. I do. I do. And do you believe in the Holy Ghost, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and that he is the Comforter who abides and sanctifies the hearts of believers and leads them into all truth? I do. I do. I do. Are you truly sorry for all your past sins, and are you willing to renounce Satan and the world and all the works of darkness and your own carnal will and sinful desires? I am. I am. I am. And do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of the Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Christ and his word and faithfully to abide in the same until death? I do. I do. I do. This time I'll ask the congregation to stand this time and uh, you may remain standing then after the prayer and just follow us on out then we'll kneel up here let's kneel our great God and heavenly father you have heard the confession of each of these young people Walt and Logan and Rebecca Lord thank you for making them a part of your kingdom and baptizing them with the Holy Spirit thank you that they are willing to go through baptism with water and Lord I just pray that you would bless their lives Help them to be faithful followers of you throughout their life. Use them in your kingdom mightily. And Lord, we just want to praise you for what you'll do in them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.